while it might be an off day, this podcast has some huge news. The Cleveland Guardians had a announcement as well. And, I mean, listen, we're all still riding high on this clinching of the postseason for the Cleveland Guardians. They are postseason bound. No matter what happens from here, it's going to be a good time. And we'll get into all of it on today's episode of Locked on Guardians. You are Locked on Guardians. Your daily podcast on the Cleveland Guardians. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello, everyone. I am Jeff Ellis, the host of Lockdown Guardians, as I have been since the inception of the MLB side of the podcast network here at Locked On. For that, I was a lead draft and prospect analyst at Scouting 24 7. Before that, I wrote for pretty much every Cleveland sports blog you have ever read. Uh, I just want to take a moment. Uh, just off the top of this show and talk about, uh, you know, I, I've spent a lot of time with this podcast talking about, hey, download daily, you know, even if you're not going to uh, be able to listen, all the things you can do to help the show grow, that we want to fight to be one of the top 10 pod, uh, co- podcasts in the network. And it's always that fight to get there. And, you know, we made it last December, right before we moved, uh, switch formats to the you know, the off season. And we made it two weeks ago and both times or the two times the network didn't have a newsletter. So it was that thing where like, I still hadn't really been in there. Well, you blew it out of the water. I opened Chartable today. And well, first off, the first thing was, you know, the person who's angry about me not uh, enjoying 99 this year, uh, who, again, very amused by someone who is so soft, calling others soft that they have to go and leave a review. But more importantly to the fans out there that I care about, those of you who listened, we broke out this week 14th ranked. I, I mean, mind-blowing to see that. Uh, Jared Carabas is a name I know, and he's 15th. He is behind us. Like uh, Joe uh, Posansky behind us. <laughs> Chris Rose, behind us. Like, it's crazy. Uh, you know uh, who we beat? We beat... Paul Hoynes' uh, podcast. We also beat every other Locked On podcast. That's right. I'm sitting here saying, hey, let's try to break the top 10. You made us number one. So if you're kind of curious, the baseball Barbacast is number one. Then Talking Baseball, uh, Talking Yanks, which are John Boy ones, Buster Olney, The Athletic has a show, Odyssey's Unwritten Rules, another John Boy baseball one, The Effectively Wild podcast podcast and fan graphs which i had some people get angry at today uh, i noticed that in my thing because and we'll get into all of some of the kind of anger with the guardians right now cbs's podcast barstool's podcast a lost ballparks more john boy sb nation for the braves the braves do always tend to show up i'll say that that is a rabid fan base then guardians locked on guardians i mean i'm just gonna take a moment and say like how much that means to me like This has been, we've been trying, like I said, just to crack the top 10. I talked about it, you know, very openly. Um, Back in April, there was a chance I wouldn't have this anymore. Like, there was a legit chance that they were going to offer it to someone else because the numbers weren't there. And here we are in August. And yes, it helps when your team is playing well. But even when there's been ups and downs, the numbers have been steadily growing. And we are number one in the network. So, um, big thank you. Big, big thank you to every single fan. 
Nacho is also saying thank you, my co-host. Uh, he's a little upset that he's going to get replaced as co-host. Uh, that's You can see in that face there that he is a little disappointed that I'm replacing him. But I told him he's always welcome to appear and will appear. But just big, big thank you. Um, it means the world to me. It means the world for done 800 episodes, you know, putting the grind and the time uh, to be number one. It, it's huge. It's absolutely huge. So thank you, thank you, thank you to all listeners, even those who get mad at me, you know, those who don't like my takes. Uh, listen, look at the media of, don't play with the mic, cat. Look at the media of sports, right? Like the biggest names, the ones that uh, court the most controversy. I'm not saying I'm doing anything intentionally. I have my takes and I stand by them and sometimes I blow it. But right now, uh, just a big thank you to everyone on who is downloading and doing your part. Thank you. And yeah, no, I, I know I should be more eloquent with it or state something, but at the end of the day, just thank you to all the listeners. You're a kind group. You are a great group. Uh, and if you still want to continue helping out, do what you're doing now. Obviously it's, it's amazing. The numbers have been huge, uh, which again, I, I would like to think is partially me that it's people who've come to enjoy the show. Um, if you have not subscribed on YouTube, uh, leave a review. It'd be great to knock the one negative review off the iTunes a little fur- further down the list. But yeah, that's uh, that's what I wanted to get into at the top of the show. And again, just thank you. Let's talk about the other piece of news. Stephen Kwan got his first player of the week. Uh, this past week, if you're curious, he batted 438 with nine runs, scored two triples, two home runs, 10 RBI, four stolen bases, 750 slugging. He's got six home runs this year. That means he hit one-third of his home runs this week. He had a seven-game hitting streak, including five multi-hit efforts and 16 hits overall. He was the April Rookie of the Month. And he enters play today with 158 hits on the season, which is the most by Cleveland rookie since Kenny Lofton's 164 in 1992. What a performance. And also, it should be pointed out, in the news and noteworthy section, uh, Andres Jimenez also gets a shout at with a 417 batting average, five runs, 10 hits, and six RBI. What a year by Quan. It's kind of crazy if you just look, you know, one of our eagle eyed uh, watchers talked about, like, should he be in the MVP talk? And I was like, well, we probably have to pull back from that because he's, listen, I love Stephen Kwan. He shouldn't be the rookie of the year. He shouldn't. Like, I love him absolutely to death, but it's Julio Rodriguez's. If we look at the top, ten, you know, the the ranks by war right now, Aaron Judge is pulling everyone out of the water. Then Jordan Alvarez, Xander Bogarts, Jose Altuve, Andres Jimenez, Jose Ramirez, Alex Bregman. Man, Bregman's really rebounded from a weak first half. Then Julio Rodriguez, eighth best war. And again, that's a guy who's only got 129 at, uh, games played. So he's doing that with less appearances. Sean Murphy at nine. 126 runs created plus this year. I would still be fine if they worked out a trade for him uh, in the offseason. I'm just going to put that out there. I'm going to stand by that. Uh, Rafael Devers at 10. Kyle Tucker, Corey Seager, Eugenio Suarez, who has made that trade work out because Seattle agreed to take him on as a major trade asset to get Jess Winker. Jess Winker has been average, some bad luck there. But Eugenio Suarez, 13th best war by, of any hitter in the American League. Marcus Simeon, Carlos Correa, Bo Bichette, Matt Chapman, and there is Steve Kwan to go through the list. What a year for him still. He should be no worse than third in Rookie of the Year, but I feel like that's not going to happen, unfortunately, because of name, value, and the, the like. Uh, one can make a strong case he should be second. And <laughs> what a year. 
you know, we've talked about he's up to a war on here of 4.1 in baseball reference. It's a little bit higher, but he's just been, I just, how many guys do you see anymore who walk more and they strike out and just such a complete player, uh, a top five defender in left field, a top five hitter in terms of contact and on base skills. Power isn't there, but man, I would I'll run with that profile every day of the week and well-deserved player of the week for him. Every single bit he of praise he gets is well-deserved, well-earned. And again, I, I would extend him now. I, I've stated that before. I would extend him now. I, I view him as a core piece. What he does is not things that you expect regression from. It's not like, listen, I've stated that next year Oscar Gonzalez should start as either a DH or right fielder for this team. But I'm also willing to admit that Oscar Gonzalez and, and Miles Straw could both plummet next year. And it's not a profiles. Both profiles have some uh, some concern to them. Stephen Kwan, I have zero concern. That's not to drag them down. It's just like Kwan is about as safe as they come. I'd be willing to commit to that starting tomorrow. We're going to take a break. We have a Tampa Bay Rays preview to get to. And, you know, I promise a little bit of kind of some offseason chatter in segment three. Uh we, I, I get asked a few questions, and I got to respond to it. I know some people don't like the offseason chatter, especially when this is a playoff-bound team, but I'm going to answer the questions that get asked to me because, uh, again, I mean, I really value all the fans. So if someone asks me a question, I really want to try to get to it. Uh, if it's not your thing, I totally understand if you skip segment three today. But I'm just letting people know so they have that choice. I prefer if you stayed, but hey. And if you're watching at home, you can see Bet Online is our fantastic sponsor of the day. I'm still kicking myself about Bet Online because nobody respected this team. I think Bet Online had them at like 76 wins. I'm like, this is an 80 win team, bare minimum. Bare minimum. This team is going to win 80 because they're the same team as a year ago, but hopefully Shane Bieber and the pitching staff is healthier. And there'll be young players debuting who are going to be better than, you know, throwing out the really lackadaisical, no effort, no care of Eddie Rosario. And didn't put my money where my mouth is <laughs> and I've had about three to four things this year over the course of the last two years I've been like these are sure bets and I don't take them uh but they are there and if you go to bet online and you've been listening to me you've had an opportunity to make some money let's look at tomorrow's line it is Cleveland at minus one and a half Tampa at plus one and a half money line of plus 134 for Tampa minus 145 over under of seven uh Corey Kluber versus Shane Bieber and it's it's still weird to say that. We'll talk about that when we get into the preview on the show today. I kind of like the under on that one, honestly. I, I like the under when we're discussing that matchup. Bet Online has you covered all season. Doesn't matter sport, doesn't matter your interest. They are always doing props, odds, and anything you can imagine. They have news and podcasts. I use it to get additional information all the time. Head to Bet Online today. That is Bet Online. Well, I'll tell you one thing. They can't complain about me not doing the 60-second spot there, right? <laughs> That's, uh, that one went a little long. Uh, I got into you know trying to make the ad read so it's about the Guardians, and you could get some additional data there. Like who? That's a better overall ad read for you and for them. So let's talk about this upcoming series against Tampa. Now, if you listen to the ad read, I talked about the fact that it's a weird matchup tomorrow. It's weird to face Corey Kluber. Like it is. You have Corey Kluber. Then it's Tristan McKenzie versus Tyler Glass now. And then Cal Quantrell versus Jeffrey Springs. Like th- For Cleveland, this is the postseason uh, matchup, these three in a row. And then it is the long weekend with Kansas City. It is the long good night of those games. I mean, right now, 
I mean, roster resource we know is not great about showing that. They have Zach Plesak pitching two of those six games. Could we just take a moment before we get into these games? Cleveland played 18 games in 17 days. And they went 15-2, and two, or 16-2. and two. Is that how it was? Like, they played more games than days. What a run for this team. Uh, 86 wins so far. Good chance to get over 90. What a season for them. What a season. So Tampa's tough. But now the question is, with Seattle having some collapsing issues, will Cleveland get Seattle or will they get Tampa in the first round? It seems like it's likely going to be one of those two squads. Where do I have my... Things got closed. I didn't want closed. There we go. So Corey Kluber, if you missed it this year, the 36-year-old, 2.8 war for Tampa. Last year, at 1.4 for the Yankees. Good for him. Listen, I'm going to always root for Corey Kluber. I'm always going to be a fan of his. When he's facing the Guardians, maybe not as much. But at 36 years of age, what a rebound season for him. I was kind of curious. Like, he's more 2.8. He's 36 years old. If he's willing to take $8 million again, which he may not after the, having the year he's had, do you consider that if you're the Cleveland Guardians? With Espino's injury, with some of those other guys, like, listen, we all love Logan Allen to death, but we just saw how hard that transition from AA to AAA can be with his struggles. Before we are 100% sold that, you know, Williams or Bybee is going to be ready next year, with everything else going on, and especially if you can maybe find a trade market for Plesak, do you consider Kluber? Or is he just too old? Like, I totally understand if you want to be like, no, this is the dead count, dead cat bounce uh, of his career at age 36. Let's not risk that. Uh, he's, what, 29 starts and only 155 innings. So, yeah, it just it's interesting to look at. The FIP over the course of this year has been a 3.6. It's been quite good. Obviously, it's still advantage Cleveland. What should we just do? It's been a while since they matched up. Let me, I'm going to do a quick pause on the podcast so I make sure I have the right ones up. I'm also going to switch over my images. Hey, you know, some extra advertising there. Okay, there we go. So let's start at the catcher position. Christian Betancourt and Francisco Mejia have been Tampa's primary catchers. Mejia is close to league average, well, 80s, not really that close to league average, just a bat below average defender. And Betancourt is... A, you know, 100 runs created plus and an above average defender. He's clearly the better catcher. It was a nice low key trade for them, getting him from Oakland. It's they upgraded them. And that's the thing. This Tampa team upgraded themselves on the cheap, totally in a series of deals. Like I would have loved to have seen Cleveland make uh, is David Peralta currently hurt. I just kind of wanted to look at their list because they didn't see him listed. Uh, I mean, that's the other thing. This Tampa team, Ready, Shane Baez, Tommy John, Tyler Glasnow, uh, had Tommy John, he's coming back, Brendan McKay, Tommy John, Ryan Yarborough, strained oblique, Nick Anderson, plantar fasciitis, Jalen Beeks, lower leg tightness, J.P. Fireisen, shoulder impingement, Tommy John for Kitten Ridge, Ryan Thompson, tricep inflammation, that's not all, Zanino, thoracic outlet, lower back discomfort for Brandon Lowe, who's barely played this year, Kevin Kiermeyer, hip surgery, and a knee condition, contusion for Roman Quinn, that is... A whole mess of injuries. Now, catcher, it's advantage them. Okay, like end of the day, Hedges is a better defender, but Betancourt's solid, and he's at least a league average bat. And Hedges just it's, he's fallen apart offensively. Moving to first base, 
So primarily at first base for them this week, I believe, is Harold Ramirez. That's right. Another. So if Mejia plays, you could have catcher and first base, and another. You know, you're going to see a lot of old friends on this roster. Uh, Harold Ramirez is probably playing better than anyone expected him to play. Now he has cooled off a bit. So if you, you know, I'm pulling up the data from August 1st to now. Uh, during that time, he is at a. A 101 runs create a plus uh, while being a poor defender. He's played a lot of first base. The other side of thing, Josh Naylor is playing very well. That's advantage Cleveland. Moving to second base, advantage Cleveland. Uh, their primary second baseman is Paredes. Paredes healthy right now. I know he was playing a lot of Jonathan Aranda. No, he was three games. I mean, he'd be more third base than second base in this past week. So if I'm looking, I mean, second base has just been... Walls and Master Boney is that can't be his name. Maestro Boney. I'm not familiar with this player, and I'm not going to get myself in trouble by saying that. That's a dangerous name. So we're moving on. Uh, Miles M, Tyler Walls, uh, Jonathan Aranda. Now let's see. So if I count Aranda, is a th- he played two games at third, one game at first, two games at second. <laughs> he has been all over. Uh, let's see, I need to lower these plate appearances for him, though, so I can get him to qualify and appear in our ranks. I don't know, why am I going through all this? We know it's going to be advantage Cleveland and moving on. Paredes has a 131 in the second half. Aranda is at a 119. He has been solid, but <laughs> it's Jimenez. Moving on, shortstop for Cleveland, uh, Ahmed Rosario. For Tampa, that has been Wander Franco when healthy. Uh, anyone else read that hilarious Jim Bowden, Wander Franco piece? Moving on. That's advantage Tampa. Uh, moving to third base. Here's the thing. If we look at data from August 1st, Yandy Diaz has been the better player. If we look at data pretty much from the moment of Jose Ramirez's injury, Yandy Diaz has been the better player. If we look at the full season, Jose has an advantage. Yandy has been quite good. I'm going to lean advantage Cleveland, even though if one wanted to make a strong case for Yandy, I would be like, no, I get it. Like he has been exceptional. And Jose Ramirez has been a league average player since his, his broken thumb. I'm still getting it to Jose. Call it homerism, whatever. (laughs) Moving on. Uh, that essentially gives us a tie as we move to the outfield. Left field, David Peralta for Tampa versus Stephen Kwan. Peralta has been below league average for them. It, that trade hasn't worked out as much. I still like the attempt to go out and do that, especially when they had a need. Versus Stephen Kwan, that is advantage Cleveland. In center field, they are currently on their like third or fourth option. Jose Siri is at a 91. Uh, defensively, he is a solid player out there um you know that was another one of i mean they went out and made some trades at the deadline he has been 76 overall no but that's not i need the split season i it, it's advantage tampa but it's very close to even and right field is a massive advantage uh tampa if you want to view it as well i guess because to me this is the thing. They they run a very three games in left field for Peralta and then three games in left field as well for uh Arezarania, who also had one game in right and one game at DH. 
so it kind of comes down to listen margot margot is technically the right fielder it's been inconsistent for margot currently over that time period in 87 runs created plus league average defense so you run out oscar gonzalez or brennan right now he's you know, Margot isn't bringing much value. So it's advantage Cleveland, then they lose DH no matter what. Because then you put a Rezzarinia there, uh, which 10 positions, even split. Uh, bullpen, that's going to be advantage Cleveland because this Tampa bullpen is just beat up. Uh, you know, if they had everyone there, it'd be close. But I mean, this is a, a very beat up bullpen. You want to get into their pen quickly. That's just advantage to your team. Starting rotation. It's not a bad rotation. Uh, Jeffrey Springs has been worth 2.6 war. It might be surprising to hear the guy, you know, who went from Texas to Boston to here uh, to Tampa. And of course, Tampa did their magic and he's got a 3.1 FIP. He is better than you think. Uh, the left-handed 30 year old left-handed pitcher. What an acquisition for them. I'm trying to remember. I got to look up the trade. He came in. That was, a, that was an interesting trade. Cause that, I mean, you go back and you look at it. It was Nick Sogard, uh, and Ronaldo Hernandez, who was, or, uh, who was a, a really good catching prospect. It was kind of surprised they were willing to trade him. Neither of them have played in the big leagues that, yet. And they got Cash, Chris Maza, and Jeffrey Springs. And Jeffrey Springs has been uh, worth the trade alone. Maza has not been very good this year. Uh, he was okay a year ago, but was another depth arm for them. So that's a solid win for Tampa. Again, on a lesser deal. Glasnow just has barely pitched. Uh, hasn't pitched at all this year, I'm sorry. So this would be his debut if he comes into this one. Uh, first start of the year, September 28th. Not ideal for them. And then Kluber, who's been good, solid, mid-rotation type. Overall, I mean, that with Shane McClanahan, when he is healthy and going, and Drew Rasmussen and what he has meant for this team... It's a it's a one can make a case that it is a stronger rotation. If Glasnow can just get in there, um, hit the ground running, they could have the stronger rotation than Cleveland. But they also have a rotation that does not go deep, and that is part of the issue here because their pen is very questionable. So we're going to take a break here, come back, talk some off season ideas, get into some fan questions on today's episode of Locked On Guardians. So. Again, some off-season stuff. I was on Twitter on Friday night as I was watching the game, and I saw uh, my coworker over at uh, Locked On Diamondbacks, Millard, talking about how the Diamondbacks have um, bullpen has been one of the worst in baseball, and how they're going to have to trade for relievers this off-season. It made me think. Now, Cleveland has the relievers for days, right? Like if you go through and you look at perceived value, class A is the highest. Um, you can argue maybe Stefan, Karen Jock, Sandlin for the next few spots. The reason Sandlin gets looped in there is just because he has an extra year of control. Henches as well. So you've got this rich group of, of relievers. And again, I think Connor Pilkington could eventually be in that role. Uh, there's some other players who might transition into that role in the bullpen. I mean, Eniel De Los Santos has incredible amount of value coming off of this year. Eli Morgan might be a trade asset, though I don't know how much he really nets you. But it's my point being, last year we know the Cleveland Guardians went all in and made a real attempt 
I thought one of the interesting things reading the Zach Meisel pieces, I didn't realize that they made a three-year offer on Carlos Rondon. Did everyone else know that? Did I somehow miss that? Well, I thought that was interesting to read about that. And he turned him down. Uh, it shows that Cleveland knows they could probably use another starter. But the other thing is we know they went for Matt Olson. And if I were to try to find the most Matt Olson-y type of guy who could be available, it's a guy we've talked about multiple times on the show. It's Christian Walker of the Diamondbacks, who's 31 years of age. If you look him up on Baseball Savant, he's the best defensive first baseman in baseball. Uh, he can strike out. He's not very fast, but he's top 10 in home runs. He is a guy you get for 22. I'm sorry, it is 22, for 23 and 24. He's got two years of team control. He made just 2.6 this past year, so he's likely to not be hyper expensive. Um, is he a guy that, you know, he'll turn 32 in March? Could you maybe try to do a three year deal? Might make sense for both sides. He might not. He's worth nearly four war this year, 122. Um, runs created plus. He's a right handed bat. Uh, one of the elite power hitters. And you're like, well, why would Arizona can even consider this? And yes, a reliever probably doesn't get you all the way there, but it gets you at least in the window of a discussion. And I think that's what makes this kind of an interesting thing to consider because when you get down to it with Arizona, they just have so, they're kind of like the Guardians, right? There's a ton of depth sitting at their upper levels. And when you look at their lineup right now, you know, Corbin Carroll made his debut. He's playing left and center. Dalton Varsho has been fantastic and right and occasionally sign up for them. Jake McCarty has hit really well this year. He has been a fine for them, and he has played some DH, some center field, some right field. Christian Walker has been a first base DH. Kettle Marte is at second. Rojas at third base, you know, has been fine. Uh, Paven Smith, occasional DH, not so much. Carson Kelly has been a little bit of a disappointment. And uh, Geraldo Perdomo has been okay at second base. But Cooper Hummel was the guy we talked about. Uh, he's finally getting an opportunity. I'm curious to see what he can do. Uh, they got Luplo in there, you know, old friend alert. But they're going to have guys hitting the big leagues. They're going to have interesting players kind of making that next step. And I just, you know, Alec Thomas is another guy who's, like, getting some of those outfield at-bats. Uh, they have, I'm trying to think who's the prospect on the infield right now that was part of the reason why I thought it would make sense for them to do this trade but the idea is listen Arizona has been better this year but they're not looking at a two-year contention window their contention window is more like two years from now and you might be like well then why do you trade for a reliever well you trade for a reliever who gives you multiple years of control and by the way arguably their best reliever came from the Cleveland Guardians it's Kyle Nelson so, yeah, just kind of going through and looking at it and considering it, I think there is a you know a real point where you kind of look at Arizona and Cleveland and why it just makes so much sense. This is a guy who doesn't necessarily fit their window, could fit Cleveland's, does, you know, Matt Olson was a great defender, two years left on his contract, hit for power. Now, I, I believe Olsen was a lefty, not a righty, so that's the difference. But Cleveland could definitely use a right-handed bat. Uh, and then, you know, someone goes, what about Zach Gallen as an extent? I, I don't think they're trading Gallen, but could Carson Kelly be someone they consider trading? I think so. I, I think, he, you know, they're in a situation. Dalton Varsho came up as a catcher, and they have just have the pieces that they didn't actually 
uh, need to put him there. He's been excellent in the outfield, and he really hasn't caught much, so I don't think that's where he's going to go. Um, but Kelly might be, if you don't decide to go out and keep um, Austin Hedges, you don't want to pay the high freight for Sean Murphy, then Kelly might be an interesting kind of down-the-line, the buy-low type of guy who's a solid defender, which we know this team appreciates, uh, on top of you know being closer to league average than uh, Hedges has been the past few years. So, I, you know, for me, I thought it was a situation that, uh, that made some sense. It is – Arizona is – I mean, they're fascinating because they have such a deep minor league uh, squad that, honestly, like you go through and you look at their team and, you know, Varsho has been their best player. Walker is their second best. McCarty is next. Then Rojas. They traded Peralta. Kettle Marte has been a bit of a disappointment. And you just, I mean, Corbin Carroll has been great. Uh, you're just kind of sitting back hoping that some of, if you're a fan of that team, that some more of these rookies will continue to hit. Um, the Drew Jones situation is just unfortunate that kind of fell apart for him so quickly. But yeah, they are, you know, just a really fun young team. And again, you know, going back, and if I just, did I, I click the wrong button here. When you still look at them, you know, in terms of their overall rank, they're 71 and 83. But, you know, if you can do a Sandlin plus a piece, maybe that makes sense. If it's 99 for Walker and a small piece, that might make sense. If it's, uh, you know, if it's Trevor Steffen, uh, you know, one of those kind of three right-handers, uh, I think there's a logical sense to be made uh, in terms of, especially if it nets you a powering first baseman, and if you extend it to get, like, that catcher, who could also help out. Um, I was just kind of curious as pulling up. I guess uh, Devison De Los Santos is the infielder I was thinking of. Yeah, and they're they're pitcher heavy right now in terms of their their high end prospects. So I'll be curious to see how that continues to play out for them. But I don't know. Walker makes a lot of sense for a target. He is. If you want to look for a Matt Olson type, he is your Matt Olson type. And that's the thing. I've stayed many times with this Cleveland team. If I'm looking for a piece, it's either a first baseman or DH, potentially a starting pitcher, and that's really my only areas of concern. I'm totally fine leaving the outfield as is. And if someone struggles, Brennan can step into a bigger role. If he struggles, then you got Valera, and if he struggles, the line just keeps going, right? There's so much talent. I'm fine letting Ahmed play out the contract, knowing that Rokio is going to get time next year, knowing that I still believe in Arias, uh, that on how Martinez is going to get added to the 40 man in this off season. And he has been maybe the most impressive hitter in the minors for this team this year. Uh, I am totally fine with keeping a lot of things, how they are, unless you feel like Nolan Jones can be that power hitting first baseman. They kind of need another power hitter. The advantage to Walker is he's right-handed and he's proven. It's the same reason. Like I would be fine. Catcher first base starting pitching. Let me know what you think. Uh, hit me up at Twitter again. Thank you every single one of you can't believe we're the number one podcast in network a top 15 podcast in all of baseball it's mind-blowing and i only have the fans to thank as i end every episode go go guardians go and go go guardians fans thank you